are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you might proclaim the mighty hearts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, 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 into his marvellous light. Good morning church, I hope you're all well. Uh, my name is Andy and I've been coming to Gateway for about seven years now. I, I'm married to Ash and I've got two kids, uh, Sam and Emmy. And um, yeah, it's been really lovely to be part of the church for this long. We're right in the middle of our series on being together. And I have the opportunity this morning to talk to you about worshiping together and what it's like to worship together and why it's important that we do worship together. Uh, now I realize that just to clarify, worship is it's a very it's got a it's a very big word and it's got a lot of meanings because really everything that we're called to do uh, in our lives as Christians is to worship God and everything the church does should be in an act of worship to God and so there is that that bigger broader term of worshiping God but what I'm here to talk about to you about is the slightly more specific definition of um, putting music uh, to to the words and to the songs that we sing in praise to God. So that's what I'm going to be speaking about today. Now you'll notice that I'm somewhere a bit different. Um, I hope it's not too distracting. Uh, one of the opportunities that uh, me and Ash have taken over the last six months is to get is to get outside uh, and tune into church from different places like this this forest. And then um, we've kind of done a few walks in the fields and the farmlands uh, in and around Ashford. And so we thought, well, why not if we um, if we're if we're getting to, to preach, why not do it? Why not do it somewhere uh, somewhere like this? So um, I hope it's not distracting. Uh, it's just it's just to yeah we we just find a really um, refreshing refreshing times and renewing times of being out uh, worshiping God in His creation. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do um, this morning. And before we get like properly into to what I'm going to share, uh, I just thought it would be best that you know in this moment in this time that we take. Uh, opportunity just to come just to come to God just to consider him and to remind ourselves of who we do worship before we get into why we worship so let's just take a moment just look around we live in a world created by God this is his masterpiece we are his masterpiece and it's all been made for a purpose his purpose it to declare the glory of God and to proclaim the works of his hands. We're told this everywhere throughout scripture. In Psalm, we see day and night joined together in a symphony of praise. In Job, the morning stars sing together. In Psalm 93, the seas lift up their voices. In Psalm 98, the rivers are told to clap their hands and the mountains to sing for joy. In Isaiah, the mountains and hills burst into song before him and the trees put their hands together in praise. You see, we have, a, we have a special role in this creation. As humans, we are the tenders of God's creation and we've been made to gather up the praise of creation and put that into words. So when we gather together, we aren't just singing a few empty songs on the Sunday. We're speaking and singing on behalf of all creation to glorify our God and our Saviour. And as such, we're being caught up in something so much bigger than just singing a song. Father, Father, how great you are. We glorify you. You are robed in glory, you are wrapped in light, and all heaven and earth proclaim your works. You command the winds, the fires, and the oceans. 
You thunder in marvellous ways and our hearts pound as we listen to your voice. Mountains have pushed up, valleys spread out in the places where you've assigned them. You started the springs and the rivers. You've sent them flowing among the hills. What a wildly wonderful world, God. And you have made it all. You have made earth overflow with your wonderful creation. All creatures look expectantly to you. Take back your spirit and they die. Send out your spirit and they spring to life. May your glory last forever. May you enjoy and delight in your creation. Let us sing to God all our lives. Let us sing songs to our God as long as we live. Let our songs please and glorify him. Let the privilege of worshiping you, God. As we consider your wonders, what can we say? But holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. him as our creator and our savior and that is why it's, it's so important that we continue to worship together because he's called us to worship together to glorify him now i realize that it doesn't look the same as it did maybe 10 months ago but it's still important that we do that and what i want to explore um, this morning a little bit more with you is what happens when we do worship together corporately and, and some of the things that are going on because there's so much going on and it's so much bigger as I've already said than, than singing songs. So we're going to dive right in and um, the first thing I wanted to cover was one of the things that, that happens when us as true believers get together is that we delight, our God in, we delight in God. We just we can't not delight in God when we get together and it's, this is through all the Psalms. All the Psalms um, you'll, you'll see this uh, so I just wanted to read a couple out for you. Like Psalm 84, the sons of Korah say this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell with you. They are ever praising you. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Have you ever tasted that delight in God's presence? Yeah, I, I hope that you have. It's just, um, it's almost like, a, as, as C.S. Lewis says, it's, it's an appetite. You get an appetite for God and you, um, yeah, and, and then when you're in his presence, you delight in him. Um, there's an insatiable hunger in all of us as human souls for joy. And that joy is met when we are, you know, truly worshiping him together. Um, John Piper said this, he said, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. You see, God's glory shines most fully in us when we are just delighting and enjoying in him. God is not worshipped where he is not enjoyed. Um, and it, it, did, it made me think when I was preparing this, it made me think of Mary and Martha and it, in, in, a, in a sense because those are the two sisters who Jesus came to, to visit and their response to Jesus being there was very, very different. So Martha couldn't get the worries of the world as such out of her, out of her mind. And she, she was running around doing the cooking and the cleaning. She couldn't, just, she couldn't just kind of sit and dwell with God. Now, that is so different from what we see of Mary because she was happy just to sit at his feet and to enjoy his company, to delight in him. 
And, and that's what he wants from us. It's so easy to carry that, that Martha attitude into our times of corporate worship when, when, especially when we've just come in, you know, we've, we've been trying to get the kids ready, we're late or, you know, work is hanging over us from, from the week before or the week coming. And it's difficult to kind of um, focus ourselves and just, just delight and just rest and delight in God. And the enemy is, is aware of that and he is trying to snuff out our enjoyment of him. So, so be aware and try and um, just, just try and bring yourself, remind yourself of who God is and just delight in that and bring that into our worship um, to delight in him together. So the, um, now the early church knew how to do this. In, in, Acts second, in, in the second Acts 46, it says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. Can you imagine how powerful um, our times of worship would be if we were doing it constantly every day um, kind of in the temple out of the temple always together and it, we, we do it we do it every Sunday and we do it you know with our meetings during the week but these guys were doing it day by day it says now I realize that we do live in a fallen world and it's we've got work and jobs and, and all these other commitments and so it's it's very difficult for us to be able to um to, to do that in a human sense do day, like praise and delight in God day by day together but but when we do get to do it, it's a foretaste of what's to come and I'm going to um, go into that a little bit later on. Alright, another thing that we as Christians can do when we worship together is that we can draw near to God together. So, a couple of months ago I, um, I decided to go through the book of Leviticus and um, I, I, I really enjoyed reading through it. It was wonderful to kind of, I've never, I've kind of read through it a little bit, never really studied it. Uh, studied through it and um, yeah, got some, got some real value in uh, learning about the different kind of rituals and, um, and um, processes that God had set up to um, essentially to try and find a way to dwell with his people. That's ultimately what Leviticus is about. It's God providing a way to be able to dwell with his, with his people again. But when you read it, you find that um, even, even in those processes, uh, most of the Israelites were still at quite a distance from God when they worshipped. So most of them weren't even allowed inside the temple. Um, most of the priests were only allowed into the outer room of the temple uh, at appointed times. And it was only the high priest who was allowed into a place in the middle of the temple called the Holy of Holies. And that is the place where God's presence actually dwelt. And he was only allowed in there once a year. So even though God dwelt with his people, there was still a distance between him and them in terms of their worship of him when they were worshiping. But we don't live in those times anymore. And I think it's so encouraging just to remind ourselves just at the minute, because of what Jesus did on the cross, that separation doesn't exist anymore. And so when we come to worship, we aren't worshiping God at a distance. We're worshiping him right he is he is near us we can draw right up close to him we can go straight to his pre, into his presence we can worship in the holy of holies as such and it says this in uh, it says this in hebrews 10 it says we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of jesus let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith and Ren Collective, uh, the, the band, they said, they've written a great song and it says this, it says, Boldly I approach your throne, by your blood I come, welcomed as your own into the arms of majesty. Uh, I'm not sure that we always uh, appreciate that we can actually enter into God's presence in that way during our times of worship, but we can. And I'd encourage you to remind, our, you know, remind yourselves of that the next time that we are worshipping together. Because you know, again, I'll just read a bit more from Hebrews. It says this, unlike your ancestors, you haven't come to Mount Sinai to hear God speak. The ear-splitting words and the soul-shaking message terrified them and they begged him to stop. 
They were afraid to move. Even Moses was terrified. No, that is not your experience. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem of angels and the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven, and to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So he's encouraged us, we can draw near. And in James, in James 4, it, James 4, 8, it says this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So not in our times of worship, not even, it's not just, which just doesn't stop at us drawing near to God. God will then draw near to us. He will draw near. But what follows in James is quite strong words. And it's like he's trying to, um, he's, he's telling us to prepare ourselves to meet with God in that nearness. So he says this, he says, Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Those are, those are essentially the elements of humbling ourselves. God wants us to draw near, but he wants us to draw near with a pure and a true heart. And that's why it's important that we come to him, knowing him, relying and trusting on him, if we want to truly worship him uh, in that place. Because he is still a holy God and he's a consuming fire. And it reminds me of Isaiah when, when he came near God and when he saw that, had that vision, he thought God was going to kill him because he knew he was a man of unclean lips. He thought he was going to die. But if you've, if you've read that, that passage in Isaiah, you'll know that he, he doesn't because, because not only is holiness and righteousness there, but grace is there. So when we draw near him, we find his grace there as well. And that's, why, that's part of why we draw near to him. Um, it says this in James, it says, Humble and submit yourselves before the Lord and you will be lifted up by him. So many of us have known that kind of power, that kind of experience in, in worship before. And, and, and maybe, your, maybe your times of worship, corporate worship has felt a bit drier than that. But remember that that experience, that experience and that encounter with God is there for us all to grasp because he's promised it to us. So let us boldly approach the throne of grace. not only do we delight in God, not only do we draw near to him, but we also come to corporate worship uh, and we are built up and we build each other up. So in 1 Corinthians 14, it says this, it says, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And notice he says, when you come together, he's assuming that we come together. Then he goes on in Colossians later on and says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, through hymns, through songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, when we get together, our ultimate aim is to build each other up by pointing each other to Jesus, by building up each other's faith. And that's why we have the opportunity during our worship times to share scriptures with one another or to come with, with words of knowledge or to, um, to even to come with testimonies. It's all, it's all part of building our faith up um, in each other and, um, yeah, and going together, walking together and to pointing each other to Christ. And we see a lovely example of building up in Isaiah 6 as well. It says this, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne. Above him were seraphim flying around the throne. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, I love that the seraphim, they were worshipping God, but they were actually calling to one another. They were building each other. They're even building each other up in heaven as well. So you see this, 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 this practice of building one another up, it's not just an earthly thing. We're, we're going to be building each other up for, for all eternity to come. 
So don't quit showing up because it's so important that you, that you turn up because we're members of one body and the whole body isn't whole without the individual members. Your faith matters, your contribution matters. And I know we can't actually like see everybody in, in one room at the minute, but you know what, we can see on, on, the little, you know, on the little viewer, we can see how many people are logging in. So we're encouraged by seeing, you know, we get encouraged by seeing that you know, those numbers build up and we know that people are tuning in from all over Ashford to be able to worship together uh, from our own homes. And um, you know, singing and sharing together is important as well. So I've talked about sharing and you know, singing, singing is such a diverse thing. We've got, we've got such a diverse church. We've got so many different musical tastes and that. And you know, it, it doesn't matter if, if we're singing you know, our favorite songs or not, but the, what's encouraging is to come together to sing the audible truth of God. And that's what builds each other up. Singing and sharing the truth of God, reminding each other of who he is. Now, Paul goes into, I've already mentioned it as well, tongues and, and words of knowledge as well. We can use those to build each other up as well. And it, it doesn't need to be, um, we, don't have, we don't need to wait until we're uh, in, a, in a whole room together again, because we've got those message boards uh, on, the, um, on the live stream and we've got text message and phone. So even in our times of worship, why not, why not if somebody comes to your heart and to your mind, send them a text, drop them, drop them, uh, drop them a, a phone call, say you're thinking about them, pray for them. Um, Give them a word of knowledge if you, um, you know, if, if you feel like you've got a word from them. Share that with them. Be bold and be brave to share that with them. And you know, I, I just want to honour Danny Moore as well because Danny is, has, is, is so great at doing this. In, in his worship times, kind of, whether it's on a Sunday or during the week, he'll, he'll, he'll often kind of send, send me and probably a lot of other guys and girls a uh, uh, word of knowledge and um, you know, he shares scripture and it's just so encouraging and it's often so timely. So I just wanted to thank him for that and I would encourage the rest of you, you know, to do something similar. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's really what I wanted to say. We build each other up. Another thing that can happen when we come together in corporate worship is that our enemies flee. Our enemies flee. And there's, there's a story in 2 Chronicles 20 that follows um, the king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat. And he's in a bit of a predicament. There's a coalition of armies, the Ammonites and the Moabites, who are advancing on him. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like him and the people of Judah are going to be destroyed by these, ang uh, these armies that are, that are advancing on them. But what I love is their, their response is amazing because they don't panic and they, they, don't, they don't fret for very long. What they do is they, they turn to God. They say this, they pray and this, Jehoshaphat says, we do not know, Lord, what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then it goes on and says, the women and the men and children then stood before the Lord. So on this, on this battlefield, they're getting ready to worship God. That is their response to the, the danger that they face. And um, the, the, the prayer continues and says, they say this, they say, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hands and no one can withstand against you. You see, in the midst of their pressure and fear, their response was to turn to the God that they knew and loved and to remind themselves of who he was and what he had done for them. So they, they, didn't, they didn't get panicked by the, the imminent danger, even though it looked like, for all intents and purposes, they were going to be destroyed. And, um, and in, in that moment of worship, um, the Holy Spirit then comes to them and continues to comfort them. And he says this, he says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army 
for this battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Go out and face them and the Lord will be with you. They didn't lose hope, they didn't disbelieve God and they didn't try to do their own thing. What they did was they appointed men to the head of the army and they, he, he commanded them to praise God for the splendor of his holiness. So the army went, the, the, the minstrels, the, um, the musicians went to the front of the army and they said this, they said, they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And at that time, they look out and they see that the coalition army has started to turn against each other. They've started to slaughter each other. And so Judah's greatest military battle didn't involve, didn't even involve any military fighting. It involved just worshiping God on a battlefield. Um, so you know, sometimes it's not effective to tell somebody just to stop worrying or to look away from the danger. Sometimes the most effective thing that we can do in the face of our danger is to just to start worshiping. Because you see, worship is a weapon. And Psalm 149 calls, it, calls our praise of God a two-edged sword. It's, it's a weapon that we can ambush the enemy with. It's a, it's a weapon that we can wage war against everything that is wrong in our world, whether it's in our own lives or whether it's you know, further afield than that as well. Um, it might not be, in our lives, it might not be angry Moabites or angry Ammonites. It might not be like Paul and Silas, prison walls that they're, that they're singing to collapse. Um, but it might be things like, like Sam shared in, in Romans 8. Uh, some of the things like in there might, might seem a bit more at home. Like persecution, we can sing against persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Or Sam said, COVID, joblessness, loneliness or anxiety. So in all these things, as Romans 8 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we do that, we do that with him. We can conquer with him by worshipping him, by turning to him to worship him. Now, in, in January 1956, you might know the story of Jim Elliott and the four other uh, young missionaries who were in the Amazon where the Oka Indians lived. And I'm sure they were scared because you know, they, there was, they had a notorious reputation. And what did they do? As they walked, as they walked into what, is, what was their eventual martyrdom, their, their last act, their last recorded act was to sing. They, they sang together. They walked into that, that um, jungle together. And they sang this, they sang, We go in faith, our own great weakness feeling, and needing more each day thy grace to know. Yet from our hearts a song of triumph paling, we rest on thee, and in thy name we go. So they weren't even singing against the enemy of any like kind of thing material. They were singing against unbelief, and they were singing against fear. What, what an attitude, what an attitude to have. So whenever we're facing battles um, this day or this week, remember that. We have a, a weapon in our hands that we can, this morning, take up our swords of worship together, prepare ourselves for the battle of the day ahead of the weeks ahead, Lord, and, and know that the battle is ultimately going to be his. And the first point I made was that when we come together to worship corporately, we delight ourselves in the Lord as true believers. Um, but something else happens. When God sees us truly worshiping, he delights in us. Isaiah 62 and Psalm 47 say these, You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, for the Lord will take delight in you. As a bridegroom rejoices over her bride, so the Lord will rejoice over you. The Lord delights in those who fear him, in those whose hope is in his steadfast love. I hope that encourages you. I can't, I can't add anything more to that and to any of the other scriptures that I've been saying because it's just God's word is so powerful and I just trust that the Holy Spirit is just infiltrating your hearts with what I have shared already. Um, 
yeah, it's just, it's a reminder there. If we delight in God, if we humble ourselves as true believers, if, we're, if he sees us building each other up, he looks down on us with delight. There's a lovely passage in Zephaniah 3.17. It's, it's a prophecy to a future time when all of Israel's enemies have been vanquished and they're entering a time of rejoicing with God, of reconciliation with God. And it says this, it says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. See, this passage of Zephaniah, it speaks of a future time when God's judgment has ended upon Israel. And it's actually speaking of a future kingdom when Jesus will reign from his kingdom in Jerusalem. You may be feeling isolated right now. You might struggle to relate or connect or engage with the way that we've been forced to do church this season. Um, the last six months might have taken a toll on your walk with the Lord or your ability to worship Him. But do you know what God sees? God looks down to see people all across Ashford in their own homes worshipping Him together. Maybe we're not all in the same building right now, but we are still together. And it reminds me of another part of Zephaniah 3 when it says this, from beyond the far rivers, my scattered people will bring me offerings. Now right now we are his scattered people and our offerings of worship are all going up from this town collectively when we worship together all throughout Ashford and it is a delight to him. And there is coming a day when we all physically worship together again in the same room. We will rejoice over the Lord together again. We will break bread together again and we will lay hands on one another again. And the excitement we have for that day is just a foretaste of an even greater day. Because there is coming a day when we will be with him together. God draws us near to us now, but on that day, he will present himself in all his fullness to us. And as C.S. Lewis says, when that happens, we will find him so overwhelming that it will strike irresistible horror into those who don't know him, but irresistible love into those of us who do. And when we, his people, see him, we will worship him. And we will not be worshiping him alone because we'll be worshiping him with people from every tribe, from every tongue, and from every nation. We'll be worshiping God with saints of old, as well as with people who haven't been born yet. We will sing and we will worship him together. And Zephaniah 3 says this, it's not only us who will sing, but God will sing. God himself will sing over his people a song of rejoicing and a song of victory. And that will be like nothing we have ever heard before. It will be amazing and it is going to be forever.